0: Hi and welcome to Drawing Inspiration. I am your host, Mike Henley. Episode 70, Escaping Expectations with Vibrant Colors and Canvases of Dreams with Shima Starr. I created this podcast as a way to expand my creative knowledge as I embrace the idea of calling myself an artist. I look beyond the easels, the sketchbooks, and the iPads to discover what it means to be a visual artist. Join me as I speak to other creatives about their journey as well as reflecting on my own work and experiences. Welcome back for the first show of 2022. It's a brand new year. doesn't really uh, <laughs> feel that way, but I like to look at it with fresh eyes and I'm looking forward to what uh, we can all accomplish this year. So I'm excited about that. So I'll talk about a couple of things and then we'll go straight into the interview. So I did a, a few works since the last podcast. I started playing with color pencil again, but I th- thought I would try on some black paper. So I got this uh, Strathmore 400 series black paper, toned black paper, and I broke out my Faber-Castell polychromos colored pencils. And of course I drew mushrooms. So the first mushroom is um, a mushroom that uh, I photographed around her a lot. I kind of modified it a little bit, but it was fun playing with that. It is really different working on black paper. And being mindful of that being your background layer, I had to when I did the first single mushroom, and it's got a little tiny, little baby one beside it as well. But when I was working on that single piece, and I'll provide a link in the show notes to it, I was, uh, I constantly had to apply white down before bringing in kind of the, the, the ochres and all those kind of colors as well. But I'm really happy with how it turned out. It really has that kind of midnight mushroom or midnight moon lit mushroom madness going on and I really enjoyed that kind of final product of having that mushroom with a black background. So I did another one where I've got two mushrooms and I strung between them a uh, spiderweb with uh, dew drops on it and that was once again fun to do. Um, I haven't really done that kind of stuff before so I'm kind of pushing myself a little bit outside of the boundaries and once again on the black paper with colored pencils uh, that one sold, so I was quite uh, impressed with that. I didn't even get a chance to really post it in my shop. So uh, the one with the spider webs is sold, so that was kind of cool. And so I started thinking a little bit more about the black. I really want to explore that. So I actually ordered some black watercolor paper uh, from Stonehenge, and I'm going to be trying that. It is a much more matte paper. I find the colored... I find the Strathmore paper, while it's black, it has a little bit of a sheen to it. This watercolor paper is much more matte, and so I'm going to try it with the gouache I got. So I got some whole bean uh, gouache, a set of 18, and I'm going to use that on this black paper. So I'm going to try that in the next week or two. So hopefully by the next podcast, I'll have kind of a conversation about my findings with that. But I'm really excited about exploring gouache on a black paper and seeing what i can do there i don't know how it's going to turn out but i really i've got some ideas um you know i want to do some stuff around the mushrooms but you know it's the year of the tigers coming up and i really would like to have something fun there so that's where i'm going with it so we'll see we'll see what happens so the other piece i did was a gecko and this is an australian gecko i think it's a northern leaf-tailed gecko, I think is what it's called. And I I saw this on Instagram. I reached out to the photographer and I said, hey, do you mind if I draw one of your animals? I love your photographs. And he was like, yeah, whatever you want. It's cool. So I did that. And it took me about somewhere between like three and four hours to do this. Uh, Once again, relying on that Pentel Graph Gear 1000, which is my favorite mechanical pencil, uh, 0.3 millimeter and a 2B lead. And I did that all on Strathmore Bristol smooth paper. So it's, um, it's got, it still has a little bit of tooth, but it is a very sturdy paper. And I also used a blending tool, blending stump. Uh, there was this gecko is on a, on a log. And I really wanted to kind of draw that log and kind of a really kind of a vague way, and I just used the stump for that. It was just easier to apply that kind of graphite. I think if I was doing a much larger piece, I would probably incorporate uh, other pencils into this. I would probably consider a a clutch pencil in addition to the graph gear or going to something like the Stadler Lumograph Black, which is that wonderful pencil that Colonite spoke about that is a, a combination of graphite and carbon. And, or sorry, graphite and and charcoal, and doesn't give you that sheen. So, I would probably consider something like that if the piece was larger and I wanted to get more coverage. But I was really happy with how that turned out. I just love drawing texture. And with a gecko, there's so much of it. And there are areas of that that I think I would do differently. And this is always part of the reflection I have in work. But, you know, I'm really happy with the eye. I'm really happy with the shadow on its right foot, kind of where the body would be throwing a shadow. So I'm happy with a few areas like that. Um, You know, I love the texture on the back. I think I did a a decent job with that as well. Um, You know, I I probably, I I could have spent two or three more hours just working on uh, the tree, the branch itself, but uh, I didn't. And I could have probably spent a bit more time on its back end. But uh, that's a little bit out of frame. I wanted the focus to be the face and the front kind of claw there that's sitting on the log. So I think it was fun. I think, you know, in doing this, I'm kind of committing myself to doing some videos around these pieces so that... And that may end up becoming a new podcast, so we'll see. But I'm going to be documenting more of this. I think there's some value in seeing other people create and understanding how they do it and how they approach it. One thing I didn't do with this is I didn't sketch the whole thing out before I started. I don't, I would say half of the time, that's the way I do it. I start with a sense of, okay, if I were to do this big picture, this big drawing on this sheet of paper, how big does the eye need to be such that I don't end up running out of space and I almost ran out of space here Uh, it landed the way I wanted it to but it was close but i simply started with the eye and then I just drew out from there when I got to the log I did kind of rough in the outer edges of the log but for me it was I just started the middle and and drew out and um, it was fun it was just I've I've been playing with watercolor I've been playing with colored pencil It it was so nice to get back to graphite I'll say it again Graphite is my first love. It will be my, my my default. It'll be I don't know. It's that it's that warm cup of joy <laughs> after a really cold winter's day. That's graphite for me. So I'll always come back to it. That the other thing that I did with uh, this photographer as well, and he's based in and I'll include a link to his work so you can check him out. And uh, he has some amazing photos. So he's based in Australia. And so what I said is, you know, if you let me use your work, I'll send you a print. So that's what I'm doing with photographers now. So if you're a photographer and you've got some interesting work, please let me know. Uh, So that's what I will do is I'll use it either solely as the reference or in addition to other photos as part of a piece. And if I use some of the work, and I always ask for permission, but if I use some of the work, I will send a print of the final piece. So that's what I'm going to do in the next week or so. I'm going to send a print to Australia to Cole, a different Cole. Um, who's the photographer that caught this uh, wonderful gecko. So that's going to be on on its way to him. And the other thing I, I found, I think, through this as well is trusting the process. I think that sometimes I get so caught up in things, I'm thinking, oh, this isn't working out. I've, it's it's not looking done. It's This doesn't look right. I just want to move it along. I want to rush it. I want to get it done. And I just need to trust the process. So that's what I had to kind of talk myself down from that precipice of of, uh, I'm not an artist, I don't know what I'm doing, and just trust the process. And I've done it recently with this piece in graphite, and I've also done it in watercolor. And I think that what I'm learning is not just the skills around creating, but it is the mindset, it's the approach, it's trusting the process. Once you get a process that works, just you got to trust it and you got to do it. Um, and then you can apply that to different mediums. But that's what I'm really enjoying about this is I'm, I'm finding it much easier to talk myself down from this feeling of failure by just thinking, you know what? It's an ugly stage or I'm in the middle of this process and don't rush it. Don't throw down the blacks too early uh, in something like graphite. Um, don't be stressed about the cracks in the skin of the gecko. Just layer, layer, layer. Take your time. Finish an area and move on. And that's what I did. And uh, I'm happy with how it turned out. So I think that's it for updates. Now we'll jump into the interview. I discovered my guest this week on the popular audio chat app known as Clubhouse. She has been a force of empowerment, support, and discovery for many artists on social media. She uses a precise and colorful palette to create her beautiful works. With a wonderful mix of patterns, colors, and images, she will draw you into her world. Her pieces serve to highlight and celebrate women and people of color. To talk about her creative journey, I welcome to the Drawing Inspiration podcast, Shima Starr. Hi, Shima. How are you doing today?
1: Hi, Mike. I'm good today. Thank you. I'm uh, really grateful to be here and uh, thankful to be invited to your podcast.
0: Well, thanks for uh, thanks for coming on. We've found each other through Clubhouse and you've had quite a strong presence in there in many respects. And we're going to get into some details about that as we dig into, uh, into your journey. And I just, I've always wanted to have you come on because I just, I love your body of work. I, I love the, the focus around what you're doing, the colors, the palettes, uh, your history and all of this as well, I think is compelling. And I just wanted to hear your story and I wanted that opportunity without all the clubhouse people around for us to have a conversation about you and where you came from. And, you know, as as I start every interview, I always wonder, was, was creating, was painting, was that something that you did as a kid? Was it was it always with you, or did you discover it later in life?
1: Yeah, my story is a bit of a hard one, really. I was around six or six or seven years old in primary school, or your equivalent of an em- elementary school here in the states, um, and was taken on a school trip to the Tate Modern. And I remember this is my earliest memory. I remember clearly uh, seeing David Hockney's collage of his grandmother it was a Polaroid collage of his grandmother and um, I was in awe absolute awe as a young child first time I'd ever been um, to a gallery and I turned around and in my mind I thought to myself I have a grandmother and I have a camera although this Polaroid camera was a hundred miles away in Birmingham with my grandfather that maybe one day I could be an artist so that was my earliest memory
0: that's awesome did that fuel you afterwards did you feel that you needed to explore it or uh, did you take the normal path we all do through school and then at some point find art again
1: Um. Yeah, it's a, it's, a, it's a challenging story. I was not allowed to be an artist in my home. We're first generation wow. British born. Mm-hmm. I was not allowed to paint or draw. Um, we were, you know, uh, financially challenged. I didn't have um, luxuries like toys or paints or pretty much anything most of the other kids did have. So yeah, home wasn't a place where I was able to create. It was school. And at school, my elementary school teacher, and I think it was, it was in the same year, um, she noticed that I leaned towards the arts. And she said to my father, "You know she's very interested in in art making, and I was lucky in the sense that I would be she would give me little things to go off and do, and so that that was the only space that I was able to be." Creative, And I would also do things like hide in the library and study in the little encyclopedias because images were really important to me. So I would memorize all of these tiny encyclopedias of butterflies, cats, dogs. That's, that's how I would spend my time in the classroom.
0: That's awesome. So it wasn't just a matter of, of having the materials uh, and not being able to purchase the materials. It was just something that was frowned upon for you to embrace art as a priority for you. Yeah even at a young age.
1: Yeah, a very young age. And uh, um, the opportunities where I was able to be a little bit more creative, I had an aunt, we would spend our summers um, holidaying in Birmingham with our grandparents. And my aunt noticed that, you know, I like to draw. So she would bring home um, carbon paper, where it has a yeah, she'd bring it home from the office. She, I think she was a secretary at the time. And she'd bring me home <laughs> sheets of these papers. And I would just scribble, scribble, scribble away until I'd gotten every single bit of carbon off of that paper. And I remember that was a safe space for me to be able to be a little bit more creative. But I just, you know, really just uh, persevered with, with doing this thing in the classroom. Um, I remember sort of drawing on the wallpaper. We had tiny flowers and I would draw teeny tiny little drawings in that just making sure that my father wouldn't uh, find them or see them (laughs)
0: that's that's a challenge um you know I admire you for for you know going from that point to where you are now like that would be really tough like my dad was not necessarily super supportive in what I was doing but not to the point of of that so did you enjoy at all working on that without a bunch of people around you? Did you enjoy the fact that you could create and not have to share it with others? I'm just wondering what your mindset was. Did you feel like you were sneaky and you were accomplishing something? Or did you did you live in some degree of fear in doing it? And I'm wondering how that then translates into what you did next in, in going to, uh, to chase a degree down.
1: Um, I think I've always... There's something about me that... Um, I always pushed against the grain um I'm the oldest no i'm the yeah I'm the oldest out of forty cousins on my mother's side alone um so i was I'm here to break boundaries for the rest of them you know um the only artist in my family I had no one else, no one else around me to kind of um support even outside of my own sort of nuclear uh family. Did I, you know, I just did it. It was just something that I had to do, something that I really enjoyed. I The one thing that I know that not having access to these tools um, gave me was imagination. You know, being able to dream, being able to uh, see things. Um, I definitely feel that having had that kind of upbringing made me have to use that part of my brain a lot more um, I had to be a lot more creative right <laughs> in order to be a creative
0: <laughs> well that's why I was like I you strike me as a person where um, no or no you can't is is kind of a, a a battle cry for you and i'm I'm trying to I guess understand at what point did that really develop um, because it's it it feels like art was, maybe the catalyst for part of that but maybe art was the result of that mindset that you had
1: okay so i'm going to share this and uh uh i have a memory of we were latchkey kids as i said you know we didn't have very much growing up and spend you know i say we i have my sister i'm the oldest and uh uh, dad would give us papers to sort of do work on he wanted us to write or do math so he left some papers home one day and again I feel like this was a, around the same sort of time that I took an interest in art I pushed my sister to write the story and I said I'll draw the pictures and she wrote the story and we we dreamed this up together and I drew the illustrations and then uh, he came home and he wasn't happy that I had uh, drawn on these piece of, pieces of paper. And then he proceeded to rip them up. So, ah. Wow. And um, the next day he actually drew lines on the pieces of paper to stop me from drawing.
0: So what did that for you do for you? Did that, obviously there's the, you know, there's that weight of, oh my God, what just happened? And then is, is it more that, well, I'm going to have to try harder now. <laughs> How did that impact you?
1: Um, I just, you know, I, I just rebelled. I just knew that I wasn't going to let these boundaries stop me. And I pushed even harder. The, you know, I was deter- you know, the pressure psycho- psychologically of, you know, having to um, meet and serve the needs of uh, of my parents in terms of having sort of more of an academic education Um, I just I realized very early on I was you know they kind of lived their lives you know it's my turn now I'm going to do what I want to do and I I understood that very early on and you know did everything to make make sure that I passed the subjects that I wanted to pass I was not here to please anyone so I knew that no matter what happened I was going to do this thing it's my life (laughs) to live
0: (laughs) that's us I mean that's hard, mm-hmm. but I think that's awesome because it's made you who you are today, and uh, you're a force to be reckoned with when it comes to I think art and, and driving change. And uh, so I appreciate you, and um, I appreciate that you struggled through that. Did how did you get from the point of stop ripping up my stuff? I'm going to draw regularly to to actually pursuing a, a degree in art. How did you liberate yourself from those? restraints such that you could pursue what you really wanted to do
1: um just push through i got myself into art college got the qualifications that i needed to get into art college um you know made sure i failed everything else <laughs> apart from art you know i, I literally did i remember sit- <laughs> going into uh, one of my exams i think it was uh, maybe commerce or something like that and i walked in and just turned the paper over failed it and i i passed the subjects that i wanted to pass um, so I only had a small path that I, you know, I only created a small <laughs> path for myself. Yeah. I, and, and then, you know, because I did limit what um, entry points I had, uh, you know, I, I ended up sort of specializing in um, screen printing and textile designing um, and surface decoration. Which was, which was great and actually I have a funny story, I remember going in, you know, every quarter we would have, uh, once we'd worked out a project, we would have a review and then we would get our grades and I kept getting merits and I kept getting merits and I couldn't understand why I wasn't getting um, a distinction, I was really working hard and I turned around and asked my tutor, you know, I was on a printmaking course. I'm like, why am I not getting distinctions? Well, you know, I'm getting merits all the time, but I'm not getting distinctions. she said, well, Shima, this is actually a printmaking course. You need to be printmaking. I was refusing to even do that. <laughs> <laughs> and guess what? You know what? As soon as I started, literally as soon as I heard that, I printed on everything that I could find. And, um, and I got my distinctions <laughs> in the end. You know, that stubbornness <laughs> and that resilience once I know what I need to do and I go for it.
0: <laughs> so you went and got a formal degree at the University of Arts London, right? I have guests on and some of them have gotten a degree, others have not. There's always a conversation about should you or should you not? And I don't want to get too deep into that except to ask you, what what do you think you benefited from in doing that degree that's impacting you today?
1: Personally, um, the fact uh, because of the story that I've had to push through all of, you know, all of the no's, all of those walls um, and to get myself there, you know, that's an achievement in itself for me personally and then also you know thinking about um my big family you know i like i said i broke a lot of boundaries it it was easier for the you know even in terms of my my marriage to my husband he's a different religion again that was another barrier i had to break and they were then had the freedom to uh, marry whoever they want and uh um, you know I remember them all loving the, the t-shirts that I would make from college and they would all take them all because uh, I would have piles of them because by the time I learned how to print or decided to print I was printing <laughs> left right and center so for me personally it, I needed that badge it's it's I needed that for myself and I remember even um uh, having to hide my nude studies from my dad, my mom would see me. She'd be like, "Oh my goodness, you're drawing naked people!" And, I'm, and I loved it. I loved uh, loved what I was doing there. But I also felt like a little bit oppressed. I wasn't really allowed to be doing this. I would have to hide those uh, those drawings and those studies. You know, so I just kept kept going.
0: Mm-hmm. So you got your degree. What did you decide to do after that? Like, where do you? Where does your journey take you from there?
1: Um, you know, I work, I've uh, I had to work. Um, I had to go and get a job because I didn't see, I didn't have uh, any contacts in the business. Um, I have, certainly didn't have anyone around me to give me a leg up. I would go to these galleries and museums and never saw anyone that looked like me being represented. So at that point, you know, there was a part of me that gave up. And what did I do? I One of my first jobs after finishing art college, Let's let's go back. I've actually been working since the age of eight. My father had a business. He had a hardware store in Battersea, and it was a paint shop. So there's another irony there. So he had a paint shop, a hardware store, and we'd be. I learned how to mix paints, <laughs> blah, 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 but I was never allowed to paint. <laughs> um, and so because I have that work ethic and then coming out of college, you know, as I said, you know, my, my, fa- my family weren't well off. I had to uh, go out there and start um, earning some money. And one of the first things I did was buy my parents a TV because their TV had broken. Then the jobs that I had. okay, so one of the first jobs I had was working for Ford City Ford Cars in, in Wimbledon and uh, my job was to support uh, the uh, managers of used cars and sales uh, used cars and, and new cars and um i also ended up having the position of generating sales being bringing in people for the sales uh, guys and i would write these really beautiful letters to people um and it generated sales. people were coming back in. I would create these handwritten letters for them all and using my colorful pens that I still love my pilot my pilot pens <laughs> and it brought in sales and uh, that was really exciting um for me and then the next job I took on after that was selling cars. so I sold um three cars um, <laughs> so I'm pretty good at I, you know if I put my mind to it i can I can do stuff like that. And then, then shortly after that, hubby and I got married and, um, The other jobs I had, so during college, I was working um, uh, for Sainsbury's as a part-time job to help support me through art college, and I ended up designing their coffee shop leaflets for for them. They they asked me to do that. I remember standing in the cigarette booth because I was lucky enough to have that position. It was a rare one to get where you get to work on your own. Um, I would sit and draw on the little receipts all the time. I don't know if I I may have some of those somewhere and then uh, uh, we go back to City Ford Cars I remember having to design you know I designed their placard boards for you know their car sales so each job uh, somehow or another the art would find its way and then the next job we I ended up shortly after going into car sales I then ended up being a, a PA or an EA an executive assistant to board director so Um, I spent the next 10 years doing that, having that kind of a role. And it was around the same sort of time um, that husband had given me the easel and the paints and the, uh, the canvases. So I was sort of playing around in my own time. I was balancing a job. I, at some point, persuaded my board director to let me have a small exhibit in the hallway. And he said, yeah. And so that was my first solo exhibit in London. (laughs) Um, And I sold my first piece. I sold my first oil painting.
0: And how long ago was that? Uh,
1: Forever 21, Mike, remember? (laughs) In a spirit, (laughs) soul, and uh, everything else.
0: And, And I just wanted to give that some perspective, because if people are listening to this podcast, and they're on their journey, and they're painting, and they're creating, just to know that it's, you know, there's a lot of, especially in the nft world there's a lot of sense that oh you can just do this instantly or within three months or six months but being an artist takes a lot of time and i think that uh, for some the journey is is shorter than others but knowing that you know your first piece that you sold was some time ago it does we're all on our own journey there's no rush around this and things take time And it's okay to do that, and I I just, uh, I think that's cool that you sold your first piece in your office where you were working, that you coordinated an effort to have your own show. What did it mean to you to sell your piece? Did that give you some kind of spark to then pursue it, or did it not come till later that you decided to take it a little bit more seriously?
1: So, you know, just having some memories resurface, so not too long after that, I would, um, joined a collective which was Wandsworth art festival and we did um some open houses i think i did it maybe once or twice i'm just trying to remember and um and i feel like it was a, around the same sort of time period so i was sort of think i would i definitely was getting back into my work at that point um, and again you know i sold yeah i sold like three pieces there to uh, to friends and when um, I sold them pretty cheap I, they were actually some of them were unfinished I was just I, I had to put some work up in this show I said I would be a part of it and some of these pieces were unfinished and I was surprised that they wanted them um, and I was also surprised that this person had bought this piece at, um, at the office that I worked with um because I'd never really received that kind of validation. Um, and then my friends had a coffee shop which was uh, local to, to where we lived and they actually put the work up there and sold them on. So uh, very early on, my work was moving but I wasn't really absorbing that as uh, you know as incentive to really continue. I was sitting there sort of questioning, well, that work was unfinished, oh, you really like that? You know, I sort of had, uh, had a lot of self-doubt. Yeah, just, uh, it was very interesting. And it wasn't too long after that before we ended up moving out here to the States.
0: It's interesting you talk about, you know, selling your work at at work (laughs) (laughs) and selling your work in coffee shops, because so many people feel, I shouldn't say so many, a lot of people feel that being in a gallery is a milestone. It's something you have to check off your list. And I just wanted to, to highlight that, you know, your first two showings weren't in galleries. Right, And so there's opportunities out there that people need to be considerate about, whether it's where you work or a coffee shop or a local restaurant that provides opportunity uh, for you to showcase your work in an environment that may do really well based on the kind of work that you do. So um, I just wanted to highlight that your first two <laughs> two shows weren't even in the gallery. And that I was independent
1: incredible. of college. So I would have had a solo exhibit. Well, I would have had a group exhibit with college. So that was, was my first and then going off and doing that by myself. Yeah. Because I didn't know where to start. Um, and again, you know, I don't, didn't know anyone in the business. So um, to take whatever opportunity really, you know, even to gauge or what viewers think of your work, you know, putting yourself out there, you know, what's the response how do people feel about what you're doing right now? And I was really lucky um, when I think back at it, you know, to sell at my office. I mean, it's a bit cheeky and it's quite good to have that in my back pocket of my story. Yeah, you know, and then even knowing that people were buying works that were, it was very puzzling for me. What am I doing? You know, I didn't quite understand it. But I think really, you know, even this time around in my career, so I returned back to my practice around, again, the numbers are a little fuzzy, around five, six years ago. And when I finally had the courage to um, connect with our local community arts centre, uh, they were doing an, um, a sort of a gala where you could uh, you could invest in a little stall and you know you're showing your work and I, and I did it I did it again because I wanted to know what the response was and I've all you know that was really positive in the sense that people were interested in what I was doing I then was invited to do an artist talk and all of these little things they all begin to add up and build the confidence to continue. Because like I said, you know, I have stopped so many times. I've had moments even, you know, not too recently where I'm like, oh, I'm going to give this up again. I'm so over it. But to keep going no matter what, you know, there's persistence, there's drive, there's a need to do this thing, whatever this thing is, you know.
0: Yeah, I think that's, um, that's what makes us artists. And I think the ups and downs contribute to our work at some point. Uh, I saw Susan Kane who wrote the book Quiet, which is an excellent book if you're an introvert, but she coming out with a new book in April. She just had it on her Instagram today, uh, talking about how creatives um, are so magical about being able to produce what they do. And it, some of it comes from sorrow. And so her book focuses around sorrow. And I think that's, I'm, I'm compelled now to read it to understand <laughs> where my art is maybe coming from. Um, uh, but I... I wanted to get back to you and, and your move to the US which happened a few years ago and then you say you ended up moving back into your art again and and is that like what was the impetus for you to go from where you were to saying you know what I'm gonna this is full-fledged who I am and I'm gonna pursue it actively
1: yeah um there are a few things that happened to me at that point point okay so there was a couple of things first of all my youngest child she started to go to school and um I had this big hole I remember going to Target for the first time and I was by myself pushing a cart around and I had nobody to say no to. And, um, that was, that was pretty hard. I remember crying for a couple of weeks after that. And then my dog was diagnosed, uh, who I absolutely love and adore. He's my first baby. He came over from London with us. Yes, you can tell I have four companions. I love, uh, our fellow earthlings. Um, and he was diagnosed with heart disease and so that was another knock and then uh, I discovered that I, I, that was when I was diagnosed as bipolar as well. So I, I really withdrew during that withdrawal from the world. I withdrew for two years. Uh, I, that's when I returned back to my practice. That's where I found solace. That's where I found comfort. That's when I found Instagram. <laughs> I actually discovered Instagram in a manic episode and I was just like pushing buttons left, right and centre and I didn't understand why people were following me. I was posting about Madonna. It was like completely bonkers. <laughs> and then I had the courage, you know, to actually, um, you know, post some of my art. You know, again, you know, I, I've had these on and off starts, you know, that great start with having that solo show, selling a bit, and then selling again and then pulling away and then, you know, being, being a mum for so many years and then coming back again. So it, each step has been a, a step of courage to, to put it back out there. Um, and then, you know, that one like, that, that one comment, at that point in my life was a lifeline for me. Yeah. And that gave me the confidence. I'm so grateful for my followers. I'm so grateful. They don't know what they have done for me, but I have an absolute, you know, a lot of love and gratitude for them.
0: I wanted to say thank you for sharing what you shared because I think, it it helps. There may be somebody listening now who is struggling, who is either struggling with uh, something outside of their creative practice that's cr- having an impact on what they're trying to do, or they may have some kind of artist block at this point, or they may have lost their their path, or they may have not found it yet, um, and they're still struggling with style, or whatever the case. And I just wanted to thank you for sharing that because we often hear the great stuff even in clubhouse it's like i've got this new show coming up and i've got this and that but when people are going through difficult times the they don't come into those forums we may see somebody disappear from clubhouse as an example which is an audio platform i've talked about clubhouse in the podcast before they may disappear for a couple of weeks and then come back and be like oh i was busy but maybe it wasn't they really needed help and and maybe hopefully they sought it and found it elsewhere. I think it's great for people to hear what you said and to understand that we all have challenges, prioritizing creativity really helps us so much. I had a previous guest on, Marta, who was talking about that, you know, she has um, eating disorders and she was struggling with that. And for her, art was a safe harbor. And um, I, I just, I love hearing these stories because sometimes we grew up in households where Art is marginalized, and it it can have such a huge impact. And it is fantastic that the followers on Instagram had that impact for you. Yeah. I mean, you've got over ten thousand followers, yeah. and uh, I mean, they love your work. It's it's incredible. I would. I, I love your work.
1: <laughs> oh, thank you, Mike. It really, that means the world. It really does. I'll probably start crying here, but I am open in the rooms about it because um, I think. You know, what people have or do enjoy about me is my openness, is my honesty. You know, I'm not, um, and I've said it before, that I'm not driven by ego. I'm driven by making art. I'm driven by the fact, that you know, I was that young kid in school and that was the only space in which I could be an artist so I'm really hot on arts education I could you know I remember looking at my art teacher and just you know being starstruck by her every time she would come into the classroom and when I go into a classroom you know I make sure I'm wearing like really colorful things and you know I don't know if um I will ignite that spark that creates the fire that burns for the next Picasso and so I you know I have these big dreams I know that you know um, I might be that one person that recognises something there that then encourages them to keep going. Um, and in the rooms, you know, you know, I do, I am pretty honest. We do have our updates. We do have our down days. People know that I can be a bit cookie in the rooms, and I'm accepted. And that's a beautiful thing. You know, we have we have so many great conversations in that space. And again, you know, I have absolute gratitude for everyone that comes in. And um, the rewards uh, when I hear other people being, you know, being successful. I had someone come in the other day and say, saying to me, you know what, I suddenly had the confidence to apply for a call and guess what, I got it. At? I sit there with the biggest smile on my face knowing that you've come into this space and it's helped And in terms of if we're going to revisit sort of being bipolar, I've taken that incredibly seriously. You know, I make sure that I take my medication. I'm a mother. I have to be here every day for my children, make sure that I'm available for my children, um, as well as sort of supporting others as well. So, yeah, that's important. And what I have recognized is that, uh, uh, you know, I'm able to still... uh, be creative and still be on medication that hasn't changed for me what it has offered is stability um so you know that's a great space to be and I'm I'm incredibly uh, busy I've got so many starts around me you know I'm kind of off over here doing this off over there doing that just to make sure that you know I'm I'm just uh, exploring whatever it is I need to be exploring in this moment
0: I look at the background behind you and I'm excited about everything I see because it's it's very colorful and there's so many things in progress. It's it's exciting. Yeah, I you know, struggling with, with eating disorders or bipolar or um ADHD. Um I've had artists and guests on here that have had uh challenges and you know this is all part of being human and it makes us unique and it makes our work unique and um I appreciate you, Shima, and, and everything that you've done. I wanted to know was there ever an opportunity for your parents to appreciate the art that you create?
1: Yeah, that was kind of a lost cause, really, uh, for my father. I lost him some time ago. But my mom, um, it took her a while, as particularly um, when I returned back to my practice, I suddenly figured out what it was that I should be painting. Now, I avoided figures for a really long time because I actually ended up doing textile designing. Like I said before, I wasn't... I had to hide these drawings, you know, my life studies from my family. And I knew that this time around, female form was incredibly important for me. And the work that I was doing really was sort of... um, I I just knew that I had to speak up. So um, initially, I started to work on a body of work called Universal Woman. And I was really thinking about... um, how we as women have to balance so much and there's a lot more to this you know growing up um, I'm Hindu born growing up I would observe that uh, you know we would pray to all of these uh, gods and goddesses equally I would not see the women being treat- treated equally in the home so I saw a lot of things that didn't fit for me uh, very early on in my childhood so when I returned back I suddenly you know I began to value myself I began to understand you know that I'm important and uh i really wanted to use my voice to to communicate uh how valuable we are as women and in the process empower other other women so going back to that it really was only a couple of years ago when i did uh, if you look on my instagram there's a piece called uh, queen shima gali and it was a piece that um i'm sorry i do respond politically to to some subjects that are out there this piece was in response to uh the elections and uh, how, um, the BIPOC women came out in force, um, to save democracy. And I used a uh, Gali, um, and she's got all of these different sim- symbols in her hands to represent, um, you know, the power struggles. And my mum saw that and she, uh, I thought she would frown at me because I picked on one of our goddesses. <laughs> but, and I painted her nude and she loved it. And then she said to me, you know, um, It's my birthday coming soon. You know, I think she wanted a... I sent her a card and a print. (laughs) So, yeah. uh, And actually, there is another memory that I have of one of my cousins. He recognised the arts in me as well. Um, And I remember... Sort of it's just memories coming back. I remember um, that he actually asked me to design a cover for this magazine. It's uh, for um, being Hindu. I'm um, Brahmin, and then uh, we were we had this organization called uh, a Brahmasmarge. Uh, it was a community of just Hindu Brahmins, and I got to design. He encouraged me to design the the cover for that magazine. I still have that somewhere. Um, so that was the first time that I, I think you know that it was kind of presented to more of my family that this is what I like to do. So, uh, yeah, it's kind of, it's kind of interesting sort of having these memories resurface. That's, uh,
0: that's fun. And I think that's great that your mom was able to see, um, some of your work and and expressed interest in it. And, um, yeah, it's, um, it's a hard dynamic until you have kids to understand the dynamic of having kids (laughs) (laughs) and trying to, to support them. Um, but uh, I, I'm glad that your mom was able to appreciate uh, some of your work. So,
1: oh, she's still around. She still appreciates it. Yeah, she's a she's a fan of it now, which is quite funny. It's no, it's lovely. It really is lovely. Um, it, well, she knew. I mean, I would be in my bedroom painting on the floor. Uh, I didn't really even have a proper table. I didn't have an art table. I'd be painting on the floor and I'd be working on textiles and I'd be ironing the carpet. I I ruined I I ruined my bedroom with <laughs> my
0: so I wanted to like you touched on your work maybe can you describe the kind of work that you're doing now how would you describe I mean you know there's an artist statement that's up on your website but how would you describe and and you've kind of talked around a little bit but how would you describe the kind of work that you're doing and the palette you've chosen and why and
1: well let's start with the color palette okay so the color palette for me um, has always been um, it's always been the I've always used this color palette, really bright, uh, really bright colors. And then I have uh, my, a memory of my faculty head uh, when I was at art college, hating my use of color. Um, and that just like, that stung, you know, again, you know, someone's criticizing me, telling me, oh, I shouldn't be doing this. And what do I want to do? I want to do it more. So, uh, you know, I literally am sticking two fingers up at it and saying, well, you know, I don't care what you think. I'm going to do this anyway. Um, But the other side of that is these are the colours that, you know, we see in our culture. Uh, You know, you go across the pond to India, so many vibrant colours. The clothing that we wear, it's so vibrant, so colourful. The Festival of of Light, it's colourful. Holly, it's colourful. So to receive that kind of criticism in art college wasn't necessarily just about the work. It was also almost a, um, a criticism about my culture. Um, And I refused to give it up. And also, you know, at the same sort of time, I was thinking about Picasso and how he said, you know, he wanted to always um, to go back and paint like a child. Whilst I saw these colours as, you know, these are the colours that we're given as children in a classroom. These are the colours that we start with. So why are they so offensive Mm -hmm. as we grow up? Why do I have to mix these colors up when these pigments have been dug up from the ground? You know, we've given, the people have, you know, really worked hard to give us these colors and now you want me to mix them up with white? I'm not going to do that. (laughs) These are beautiful colors as they are. I don't need to mess with them too much.
0: I love your palette. I think that, you know, so many people are taught in school to, to use the Zorn palette um, in in working around their art. I think there should be part of the uh, part of the uh, the curriculum should be maybe leveraging the Shima palette <laughs> <laughs> alongside the Zorn palette. So I, I love I love your choice of colors, um, and I love your subjects. I think you know it is it is about women women of color women of strength. Um, you know the uh, the rendering you did of Kiki I think is. Um, um, of RBG is 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 incredible you know I think you know having two daughters I love seeing the work that you're doing because it is it is speaking to that and um, it's special it's important
1: I appreciate you saying that so you know another thing that really spearheaded well yeah spearheaded me this time around was an incident that I uh, found myself in when I was um in the elementary school being Uh, trained to be an art docent for the for the students and uh, one of the ptsa she was actually the president at the time she was uh presenting the artists uh, that we would be teaching for the year ahead and all of a sudden she came out with this line that we like to use colored artists and i sat there and i was like what did i just hear (laughs) you know i'm i i hadn't been out here long um and I felt in that moment I was like what just happened I've pretty much heard every sort of comment that I could possibly hear growing up in South London and in that moment I was like am I in the 1950s I just didn't understand it um but being a South Londoner I'm not um shy about speaking up I looked around the room at the other mothers and uh piped up and said you know so what color exactly are we talking about red yellow green or blue and uh, looked back around the room and saw these other mothers sort of their eyes smiled so I knew in that moment it was good I, I had to speak up I had to say something But again, I walked away from it and I thought, what does a coloured artist look like? What does, I'm a coloured artist, I'm colourful, I'm going to embrace my colours. Which then spearheaded um, me painting invisible and universal women. And if you look back at those pieces, they're um, women almost hidden in these lines of colour and it takes a, a moment or two to discover them and it talks about for me you know being a woman of colour not being seen I'm very much present but once you see me you can't unsee me which is the, those women in those paintings so yeah the colours are uh, it's so important because uh, we shouldn't be um shamed even by that word you know that word it, it's uh, it's quite an important word and we need to you know fly our own flags and shout out about how colorful we are and there's nothing wrong with color and dressing our vibrant colors and just uh, and just be really colorful you know why not
0: I think that's uh, I think that's great, and I love uh, I just love flipping through your work. I'll include links to some of the works that you spoke about. So if people are listening to this and they're out on going for a drive or doing a run right now, uh, know that anything that Shima and I talk about will be in the show notes, and I'll provide links directly to those pieces as uh, she's spoken about them through the podcast. So when we talk about your pieces, what materials are you working with? I mean, for the artist who's listening to this, who's thinking about, oh, I want to tries some of this or I want to I'm curious about how Shima pulls it all together what is your primary choice at this point and what have you played with as a matter of materials
1: um you know I am right when I talk about my art I talk about playing um and I will talk about the tools and the materials as the toys that I've never had And so I have this mentality that, you know, I'm willing to try and play with anything. And so I'm, you know, not afraid to just go ahead and mess around a little bit. But maybe, you know, I hold back a bit too. So I've done textile designing. I've worked on fabrics. I've painted on fabrics. um, I've worked in oils. I trained um, myself to use oil paints. And right now... I'm working in acrylics and the reason I'm enjoying acrylics, it means I can work faster. I have a lot I really want to do and I don't know how much time I've got left, hopefully all the time in the world, but I really need to get this stuff out, out of me physically and I often will say in the rooms as well, you know, I've painted a lot of paintings and I have to physically kind of manifest them. Um, There are pieces, if you do look on Instagram, where when I've worked in black and white, and that was uh, through um, a class that I took. This instructor this instructor was like really upset with me because I was working in colour. I'm like, we're using these materials right now. We're working this way. So I really had to push myself. And then I found, so we're looking at porn one and porn two. Again, these are political pieces. And I was responding to some of the movements that were happening in that moment. Porn, as in the chess piece, porn, not as in sex. Porn. <laughs> so let me just make sure I say that. And actually, it's that black and one of those black and white ones, just up there in the hallway there, Mike. So I will awesome. really lean into texture um, because I'm using a limited palette. Um, so I have lots of things that um, I go off and do and explore. I, I colour, use pens. You know, if I was to to speak to an audience you know just whatever tool you have in front of you i look back at artists who even create works using um you know photographs montages uh anything i actually enjoy it when i do have limited resources because that's when you push yourself um, as an or I certainly found that that's when I pushed myself, and all of a sudden I discover, whoa, I'm doing this now. Where, you know, where is this going to lead me? And it's another road to uh, to travel down and explore further.
0: Is there a medium that you haven't played with that you want to?
1: I, you know, I think at some point I would love to um, explore film. Um, I already have like lots of things going off in my brain film and light. I just need to get to that point when i'm you know need to get to that point to be able to move forward and create create some more pieces. Um, yeah, I would love to explore um, playing with light. I would love to explore working with film. I'm not quite sure how that will, you know, choose to manifest itself in my life. But that would be something, you know, I would love to uh, you know, look at these colors and create something using light. Um, yeah, there you go. You
0: know, you've got a couple of pencil pieces that you've done uh, that are in your Instagram feed when you're creating a piece that's acrylic or oil, is sketching and laying that out an important part of that process for you? Or do you immediately kind of, as soon as you can, jump in and start hitting the canvas with, uh, with paint?
1: Yeah, um, I will tend to do, I tend, yeah, I don't tend to do a lot of sketches. I may just like do something very quick on post-it notes and I have you know tons of little notes here and there I'm not even consistent with a sketchbook I'm a little bit all over the shop but I will try and capture whatever it is um even if it's in a quick fashion but then I I, I'm able to in my mind already kind of figure out what's going to happen on the canvas I can sort of break it down and and lay it out um, and then go straight into the canvas and then it's sort of just roughly sketching it in and then measuring and then making sure that I've got it um, in terms of composition the way that I would like to present it so already if I'm even looking at these pieces in that series there which is my pussy illuminati series um i already know Mm -hmm. the next two where they're going to go and what color schemes i want to work in and then from that point i don't know where that where else that's going to lead me and that particular symbol is actually the wallpaper in kiki
0: okay oh yeah i see that now (laughs) i i've made the connection Have you ever done any digital work?
1: I have started to play around with some digital tools, yes. (laughs) There is one um, on IG, and you'll see I've I've posted it as a reel. And um, it's one of, because like I said, I feel like sometimes I can't work fast enough. Um, I've used some early starts of some of the abstract uh, women that I've been doing recently, which is similar to those up there. So I have some early starts mm-hmm. down here and I've kind of, you know, got a little bit stuck with them. So I took images of them, pulled them onto Procreate, and I'm just playing around with it. Um Uh, there is one where you'll see the process of me just messing around I don't know what I'm doing yet I'm exploring it's okay to make mistakes I posted a video and I'm like going between screens and things are flashing I'm like that's cool it's okay you know it's good to explore it's good to play it's good to just let it go sometimes so yes I am working with more digital aspects I'm also really interested I did post I've probably pulled it already but of uh, one of these pieces up here and creating movement in it so I feel like these may be the early steps of me looking at uh, how do I make my images move how do I um think about you know that to me then I could explore light um I don't know, It's just the, the possibilities are endless. I'm excited about, you know, the new virtual reality world where we can create in this space and, you know, what does that look like? I've already been in there, although I got thrown into the, the shark tank and almost got eaten by a great white shark. So, you know, be careful about the <laughs> apps you choose to play with.
0: Yeah, there's uh, there's a lot going on in the art spaces right now, whether it's virtual or... or uh... Uh, the, the tangible pieces that we tend to work on. So it's uh, it's a matter of choosing community, I think, around that. And, you know, maybe we could use that as an opportunity to jump right into, into Clubhouse because that's where we've met, we connected. Uh, there's a bit of a long history with, I say long, I haven't been in there a year, but um, there's been a history of some kind of rooms changing over and changing around a little bit. But you have a fairly substantial following, Um, And for those who don't know, Clubhouse is a social uh, audio app. uh, So it'd be similar to a series of chat rooms, but instead of typing, you're speaking and you have an opportunity to stay in the audience and observe and listen, or you could move up onto what they call the stage and you have an opportunity then to interact with other people on the stage. And Shima, you host um, a, uh, a club called the Art Club. And that has a whole series of sub rooms where you have specialty kind of topics and things like that. And we're at this point now, it didn't start at that point. What brought you into Clubhouse? What was the initial like pull into it? And and how did that start for you?
1: Um, okay, so it was the the um, husband who got the initial invite and um, he started, I, I, he had it a probably about a month or so before uh, I finally said, okay, I will uh, I will join this app. But he kept saying to me, because I'd be in my studio working, um, I often sort of wake up listening to meditative music. I found that that put me in a good space, headspace um, for the day and um he kept saying to me you should check out this app it's got these people on it I'm like oh I don't need another application to be on I was really resistant for a whole month <laughs> um and then there was this one day where I was like okay all right let me go check it out and uh I found uh, immediately I went to um an art club and uh that that those were my people I, I don't think I veered any further from the art rooms other people said to me you should go check out these rooms I'm like no I'm only interested in art and uh, and the people around it I miss talking to artists because of the pandemic it was incredibly not that it's not a lonely existence anyway um it was it was a much smaller world at that point and again For me, I had uh, uh, almost had those moments of giving up. I stopped working during the pandemic for uh, maybe four to six months. I had to put my mummy hat on and take care of my children. And so that was my priority at that point. And so I put the art aside and focused on them. And then when I returned back to the practice, that's when um, we discovered, uh, again, see, I'm returning, I I stop and I start, I stop and I start, and then just keep pushing forward. So um, with Clubhouse, as soon as I, I spent, um, I would say maybe a good two hours just listening to this room and artists were going up on the stage they were talking about their work and some of these were really emotional stories and I sat and I listened and I started to get that feeling in my tummy. I need to press that button. I need to press that button. I could feel myself sort of working up sweaty paws. <laughs> and um, I pushed that button. And, uh, oh my gosh, the American accent, the button. Um, then um, it was let up on the stage. and um, And then I spoke about my work and I spoke about where I was. And the room pounced on me, in the, not in a bad way, but they just like were just all over me. And they were like loving the work and loving what I was saying. And I just like didn't quite understand what was happening in that moment. And all I will say is that I haven't left Clubhouse since that day. <laughs> um, I, I felt really valued. I felt welcomed. Um, I felt understood. I felt like I'd found my people yeah it's just it's it's been a really wonderful experience uh for me clubhouse has been a great has been great support in the studio whilst I'm working sort of I, w- I wake up at ridiculous hours two three o'clock in the morning make some coffee and then I'm, I'm down here and I start working so
0: yeah because you always have a room open quite early but uh you know you're yeah, you're, you're on PST. So, you know, for it to be open at, uh, you know, seven o'clock in the morning, let's say Eastern, uh, yeah, it's, uh, two or three, four o'clock in the morning is, is a start for you. And that's, that's not even, you know, accommodating all of Europe either. So, um, I admire you for, for having those rooms available. And so, you know, for those, once again, around the clubhouse app, you can have these clubs which you can kind of follow and become members. Uh, you have how many people in your club now, Shima?
1: Oh, I think we're 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 gonna hit four and a half thousand pretty soon. Um, I was, uh, yeah, it's That's growing awesome. really fast. Uh, a really, oh, really beautiful, wonderful community of artists um, from all over the world. Uh, it's, it's just a, it's really wonderful seeing you know, artists from Africa to China to India. Uh, just, it's amazing the, the diverse works that, you know, come uh, through the doors of our club uh, clubhouse room. Um, and as you can tell, and as I've said, you know, I didn't venture too far. Art is my, uh, is my first love. You know, I love it. I can't get enough of it. Um, I'm excited when I see something, you know, that someone's created and, you know, and if there's someone that's, you know, early in their journey, being able to encourage them further, you know, you need to do more. Someone walked in the other day and said, I've lost my Apple pencil. I haven't created any work for a while. And I looked at their work and said, you need to order one now. You get get on there and order. I'm looking at your work. You need to be making art. And that person that day ordered their pen. I need to see them. Maybe they're off making more work. Um, and that is just a, the biggest. It's just such a beautiful space to be, to be there, to encourage, to support, uplift and uh grow this community and without the community I certainly wouldn't be here if the community didn't find if the community I I feel valued by our community
0: so you have a club and then you have sub rooms and these rooms uh, may exist for an hour they may exist for three or four hours what kind of rooms have you had for the listener who hasn't been in Clubhouse what kind of topics have you had so they can get a sense of the kind of stuff that you talk about.
1: Um, Okay, so uh, Art Club is the club on Clubhouse, and uh, that's my little shill for us. One thing about the club that I found really early on, now I started this club off of the back of a club that was in its early stage of collapse. And um, one of the motivations was to create a space and a world in which I want to live in um and the value system uh, that you know that i bring to that space where it's open it's diverse it's an inclusive community and that's really important for me everyone has voice everyone has space um and the only um sort of the only ask of the room is that everyone is spoken to with dignity and respect and that's not a big ask at all and we would take cha- take on challenging conversations we've had some great debates in that space as artists some of the rooms that that I really wanted to to create was were art history rooms from other cultures, which was something that um, I was missing through uh, my arts education. I only I only got ever got the opportunity to have uh, Western art history, and I had that sort of a huge loss. Because of um, my uh, lineage and how that sort of traced into England, my family from Africa. It goes a generation back before we get back to Gujarat, India. So there's a huge bit missing in terms of having historical art knowledge from my own culture. So that was important to me. I found some African art historians who came in and hosted rooms about African art history, um, incredibly valuable uh, rooms that, you know, wouldn't have been possible if it wasn't for. The the, you know the wonderful community members here on Clubhouse, and um, then I have some art historians from India, and so I've been studying and even off my own back going off and studying about Indian um, artists, female artists, particularly from that region. That that's what my main focus has been for the last uh, seven to you know seven to eight years. I'm really hot on finding who these female artists are. I need to know who they are. We uh, you know we have branding rooms. You know I've reached out to some really wonderful members who who uh, who specialise in branding and marketing, so being able to support artists with branding and marketing their works. And, you know, even in this space, I'm growing and learning too, so uh, I don't come in as someone who knows it all. I always say, you know, I was born yesterday and I know absolutely nothing, so I'm here to learn just as much as everyone else is here in this space learning as well yeah what else are we doing we've got lots yeah I've been doing women in the arts room recently again you know just trying to uplift these voices allowing them uh, giving them space to talk about you know their journeys and uh, their work um, and also being able to lead and show them you know there are ways to be able to get your work out there and how can we help you as a community to do so we have, uh, you know, a few friends who will come in and host rooms talking about quotes, and really, what I do is I go into that space and I and I ask, you know, if you want. To come and host a room under the art club, you know reach out to me, I will help you, I will support you I will you know I'll do my best to be there to get the room started, so i don 't hold on to this space as is it as if it 's mine and mine only know this this space belongs to the community, and i 'm here to grow it, support it and Go do, uh, go do whatever you want with it, artists. Go be creative with it, artists. Go blow up the world with it, artists. You know that's that's what I feel passionately about.
0: Yeah, I've been in so many of your rooms, and uh, we've worked on a few around you know uh, setting your goals and uh, looking at a theme for twenty twenty two.
1: You've given us some great contributions, and you know we've we've had some good rooms with those. So I am like Mike; you need to come back. We need to do more of these. People love them; <laughs> they're learning from them.
0: Yeah, it's uh, it's fun to be able to do that. I I do agree with your comments. It is always a very safe space. Um, we there are a lot of people that will just sit in the audience and and just listen. And it's absolutely there's no pressure to come up and speak. And so it is a great opportunity that way. And you know, for someone who's coming into art quite late in life and starting the podcast back in 2019, Clubhouse was was really important to me. It was an opportunity to connect with people Um, as we started heading into the pandemic. I didn't know any creatives in my city. I I knew a few, but not many at all. And most of the creatives I know now are in Clubhouse or through Clubhouse or through Instagram. And uh, having that opportunity to be able to talk through ideas and um, being able to bounce around thoughts about, you know, I want to do a giveaway. How should I do it? Or I want to work on this piece. Or even just sharing your work in a way that allows people to see it and to get that feedback about, you know, that piece I really like or, or you know, I would love to see you do this thing. Uh, just being able to get that kind of not so much a critique, but just a commentary from someone else, I think is so valuable. And I, I, I want to thank you for I know it's a lot of work in having rooms available and being mindful because uh, you could hear it even we were in a room today and you could hear it and i know that you were messaging people in the background thinking about the next room the next topic because it comes up and it's like yes that spark of an idea is going to be important to somebody so i appreciate all the effort that you do in that it's uh clubhouse is powerful it's been powerful
1: well the funny thing is is i don't see it as work you know i don't i don't see that space as work i see this as a community i see this uh you know if i saw it as work i i definitely would be in a different headspace so for me it really is um not that I'm consciously being altruistic, but I really feel like it's coming from that space every time I hear you know if someone if I've said it I said it in the room today if I hear of anyone going to sort of to charge you for any information I will find a way of getting that to you for free it was free before it will be free now so you know that act of rebellionism and you know I will I will just be I'm determined to make that information available because when I return back to my practice again that was something that I struggled with. People would withhold information. They wouldn't tell me, you know, which direction to go in. So, um have it not especially coming from the space in which I've come from which was where all those doors were closed for me and being determined to support and to find my way um, I want to, to make it accessible for artists to be artists and uh, it's hard enough financially anyway to be an artist let me see if I can help I will find people out there there are plenty of people that will step up um, and all I have to do is you know just ask ask that question
0: So Clubhouse has provided this opportunity for artists to connect. Has it provided an opportunity to you in learning more about yourself? What have you learned about Shima in doing Clubhouse?
1: That's a tough question. Um...
0: Or it could even be what what has uh, the interactions with the people in Clubhouse taught you?
1: One of the funniest things I said to my husband, you know, all of a sudden I had all these people following me and uh, coming into the art club and I'm like, oh my gosh, this is this is just like really weird. Why do these people want to follow me? Uh, and I said to my husband at one point, you know, these people like the sound of my voice. And he looked at me and he burst out laughing because he's been married to me for so long. It's like he didn't, he didn't understand it. <laughs> so, uh, you know, just, yeah, I do find that really hard. I... I've had people come to me and say to me they follow me into the rooms because they know that when I'm around it's a safe room. What I have been able to do is if I've seen people not being treated well in certain spaces, or I hear something that doesn't sound correct to me, I speak up like I did in that classroom with that mother who was teaching us about these artists. And she said, you know, uh, colored artists. So um, I will speak up. And I found the, um the method, even if it isn't a method, me being me in these spaces, I'm able to... Uh, and maybe it's the diverse history and the lineage that I've had, you know, you know coming from Africa, coming from India, be growing up in London, coming to the United States, that I'm able to communicate with a broad range of people um, and find an effective way of uh, getting a message across. So, really, uh, I think the biggest thing that I've got is um, the sense of community. And, uh, I, you know, I can't thank the community enough for valuing me valuing my voice, valuing uh, what I stand for. And when I talk about women's issues, I talk about women's issues. I'm not afraid to uh, to speak up when I hear something that is incorrect. Talk about the inequality that is, um, and is still happening in the art world. Talk about the systematic sort of racism that's happening in the art world. Those doors were consistently shut. How do we open them up for all of us? So we all have an opportunity. We all have a chance to really shine um, as artists. That's really... um are really important uh, for me. What have I learned? Well, wow, oh my gosh, the learning in, is never ending. I love when people bring up new artists that I haven't heard of before, or, um, you know, from other cultures. Uh, you know, the amount of books I've gotten since being on Clubhouse is it's ridiculous. <laughs> it really is. And like, oh, my gosh, there's a there's Amrit um, Shergill that I just learned about. You know, there's a, Z- a Zahid Libyana Hamid. Um, there's just so many fantastic artists that I've uh, discovered from being in this space. Uh, um, you yeah, my shelves need to do something with those books.
0: Do you think that creatively when it comes to, um, you know, people of color, the women um, – do you think that in art th- that we're in a better space now than we've been like you hear from so many artists around the world in the art club do you think we're we're getting better at this as a as, as a uh, society
1: yeah you know you wanna you want to be hopeful um we are seeing more um, artists of uh, of color being represented in gallery spaces I will say that it has. Literally been in the last 10 years that I've seen this, you know, I was seeing more women artists. Um, uh, it was four or five years ago um, when I picked up a magazine and I saw who, who, this lady who's one of my mentors. She had a show in Seattle, and I was like, whoa, there's an artist that looks like me. I need to go and see her. And this was the very first time. Um, that I'd ever seen uh, um, an Indian artist being represented by a space. And I ran, I ran down there so fast to meet her. And uh, she's ended up sort of being a mentor for me, which I, you know, am forever grateful for. There's still work to be done. Um, and I, you know, I'm excited um, for the opportunities that are now um available. Um, I'm excited for artists, um, all artists, and, but more so for artists of color, because their voices have been um, left behind. And they're sort of in some ways, almost playing, there's some sort of catch up happening when I look at the bigger art world as a, a you know, as a bigger picture. There's still work to be done. Mike.
0: So I'm a middle aged white guy. <laughs> what, what can I do? As a creative in this space, what can I do, or people like me do, to help move this along? Is—is is there anything that, um, I mean, I'm sure there's lots that we can do, but is you know, are there a couple of things that we need to be mindful of? If you can talk in general terms, maybe not just about me, but what 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 should we be doing?
1: You, what you're doing right now you know, you're elevating my voice by inviting me to do this podcast with you. Um, you know, that I, I all will say in the rooms, you know, it doesn't always have to cost you money to support artists in the space. When people come in, I will go and, you know, I know that, okay, I have 10, almost 10.2k followers on Instagram. That's leverage for artists. You know, I remember when I was when I was being hit and liked by someone who had 20k I was like whoa this artist likes my work you know that's leverage that helps artists so, uh you know liking their work sharing their work um you know putting it on the stories going into you know following them on twitter um there are lots of ways that we can support artists without it actually having to be financial um financially bound if that's an issue the other side of it is yeah go ahead and buy their work buy their work because you love it not because you feel sorry for them right that would be uh, so that you can you know put that proudly on your wall and say you know i love this artist i love what they stand for i love the work that's important that's validating for um us artists out there and um you know there there are you know just bringing them in to the community supporting them um, you know if there are opportunities out there are like calls for art that you see share it share it with them and say look you know this could be an avenue for you hence me hosting rooms you know how do you get into a gallery how do you start uh, start this business you know I've got Jagdeep coming in talking about prints um, you know how do you print your work you know talking about these things um, these are ways to uplift and build and help the community even you coming in today and hosting that room about goal setting you don't know how many people that you've um supported by doing that who are then going to go on and help other people i mean that's it right there can't get any better than that it can get better than that but it's a start right where would you
0: like to see clubhouse a year from now where would you like to see the club what does success look like for you when it comes to the club
1: i would like to sort of really build leadership um in the space um and really for it to continue to grow organically yeah that to to help um empower other people to continue uh, to hold space and to to let the let just let the club grow um i'm not um I'm not ego-driven, I'm not a, a power-control freak, so uh, just for other artists to then sort of step up and, and say the same things that, you know, so long as the, the value system is is very much what holds the space together, um, to keep growing, just to keep growing, allowing uh, different types of conversations to happen, opportunities for maybe some really challenging uh, discourse as well. We, that's happened in the space, you know, we managed to sort of um, have some really good uh, hard uh, hard conversations and tackle them, and also bring art back in. Art will always come back in. I love um, art and politics. In my mind, always sort of goes hand in hand. Um, yeah, just for it to just to empower other artists uh, to keep holding space that's that's really where I'd like it to go I wouldn't want it to die that would be sad for it to and I'm also really sort of um conscious that you know if Clubhouse sees the end of its days that you know there, there are ways that I'm still um able to maintain these friendships um that have grown during this time period um I would find studio life a little bit quieter I don't know if I'd enjoy it without all of my clubhouse friends I love uh you know having these giggles and you know whatever's happening even the dogs going off in the background you know we, we we really do share some intimate moments and um share a lot of confidence um and confidences with each other so yeah I would love for it to keep growing
0: yeah there's uh, so many times when I hear you speak and you're uh, you can hear that you're working at a canvas that you're painting that you're doing something in the background and I think like uh, many artists just sit on Clubhouse and listen while they're creating and I think that's wonderful
1: yeah it's a, I feel like it's like being back in back in a classroom with all of your fellow students and artists and you know we're, we're all sharing the same space and, and just talking you know talking about their work we'll share our work we'll ask questions um, we'll talk about art history we'll talk about what's happen- happening with the contemporary art world we'll talk about up and coming you know shows and exhibitions people will share what they're doing next and you know also so you know if people are doing shows being able to go on Instagram live and look at look at what's happening at the other side of the really? country, I mean, to me having opportunities like that is just it's amazing. it's just thank goodness for Clubhouse, you know, I've really connected, seen some amazing art. it's just it really has and hopefully will continue to be an exciting uh, place and space uh, to me artists and to see their works on the other side of the world. I'd love for someone to do an Instagram Live all the way from Africa. I mean, that, that would be fantastic. And to connect with them through uh, Clubhouse and, you know, other social media platforms.
0: That's awesome. Now, Shima, have you done teaching? Have you done instruction before? Mm-hmm. So how did you like that? And um, do you think that's... I always poke at this question because... I'm wondering if it's important for an artist to become the teacher at some point and if that's an important step in that process and maybe you can talk about what you've taught and what that experience was like.
1: Um, so very early on, I think, you know, um actually I was talking to my daughter last night and I said to her, What do you want to be when you grow up? She goes, I was thinking about being a teacher. I was like, Oh, I was thinking about being a teacher at your age too. Um <laughs> so I, I feel like, you know, maybe that's one of the first things we think about when we when we're kids and we're growing up and we're in that system. Um but teaching was also uh, another avenue Especially when I was thinking um, About life after after college You know, how do I stay connected With the arts And I remember spending a year in between Sort of um, going to art college And just uh, figuring out some of the grades that I I missed uh, with uh, turning the papers over in our earlier conversation. So I had to go and fix a few things. Um, and that was nice because I did it off of my own back and because I wanted to. So, yeah, I, I volunteered um, for a year, uh, two days a week in a local uh, primary school, the equivalent would be an elementary school, um, and off of my own back, you know, did lesson plans. Um, it was just really, really lovely to be around children and in in, whenever I think about that in my mind I I go back to me being that that student in that classroom so I always that memory really stays with me very uh, it's very close Um, so education arts education is incredibly important Uh, I went on to teach in my children's schools all three of them I did I was an art docent for all three of them Um, and then um, once I sort of out here in Seattle connected with um, the local community um, yeah the local arts center here in um, in Kirkland Washington um, I was you know not too long after joining them asked if I would come and teach um so whatever it is I I've been doing this thing and and it's a natural thing for me to be able to give back and I love giving back I love watching people grow I love being that source of inspiration for others you know because I know that 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 memory that I have, I may be that memory for them in the future. And, uh, you know, that's, that's for me, is the most beautifulest thing. You could be that person that ignites that spark that starts the fire and leads, on, leads to be the next Picasso or whoever, Frida Kahlo, whoever, Marilyn Minter, you know, there's so many fantastic artists out there. Um, so educa- arts and education is incredibly important for me. Children need it, um, adults need it, and you can start at any point in your life. It doesn't, you know, it doesn't have to be you can just go and explore the arts and it could be any medium it could be you could be outside playing with mud and it could end up being an art piece you could be on the beach and create something and it could be an art piece the possibilities for artists and playing and creating really is endless so uh Yeah, uh, you can tell in my voice that I get incredibly excited about it. And so, yes, I am teaching, and I will have been invited to teach again with our art center, and uh, looking forward to doing that. Um, And I'll be teaching uh, expression through color, so that's uh, hopefully right up my street.
0: (laughs) So, I want to ask you, Shima, what do you think is the best advice you've ever received with regard to creative practice, whether it's on Clubhouse or back in England?
1: Um, I would go back to um, that moment uh, returning back to my art practice when I saw um, this female artist uh, that looked like me in a gallery local and um, at that point even though I've had a You know, some successes, I've, you know, dropped in and out of art. It's been a roller coaster for me. It wasn't until three years ago that I was actually able to call myself an artist um, and to really, um, yeah, be able to stand here and say, you know what, I'm an artist. I met her um, at her show and was just blown away at what she was doing. And I had a conversation with her and I told her about, you know, some of my struggles And I was fortunate that she was willing to even give me, you know, the time of day. You know, I just said to her, I I had to come and see you. It was really important. She said to me, there's one thing that she said to me, she goes, acceptance. Accept who you are. And that was it. Hmm. Just acceptance.
0: I like that. I really like that. Yeah. Dramatic pause here. But I think it's important for us to think about that, right? That's, uh, I love that. So, I always get to a point where in the podcast where I ask my guests for a little bit of homework and I'm wondering what you would have as homework. It could be something that is a skill. It could be something that is a mindset. But I'm wondering what you were thinking about as a matter of homework for the person listening, something that they could do when they're done listening to this to be able to move their creative journey forward.
1: Yeah, one of um, the one of the best things that um, has definitely sort of opened my eyes to the possibilities of what um, what can be done with are if you're stuck for inspiration or you're just in a a little bit of a rock and a hard place. Find three things, find three artists, find three bits of information. It could be a newspaper article, it could be a photograph of something obscure that you've you know you found on a walk that you've done one day, and pull those together to create something new it's a starting point but there should be three things that you're interested in that excite you in some way shape or form or will just like um help to kind of just ignite some excitement and then just go off and explore and I will say you know you know, each artist, you're all unique. We're all unique beings on this planet and no one else can make the marks that you can make. No one else has the story that you have to share and you know we we sometimes worry about maybe sometimes people may be copying and they do all these different things but you're always unique no one else can hold the pen the way that you hold that pen that paintbrush the way that you hold that paintbrush so always understanding that there's no one else like you out there in the world and no one else can make those marks that are uniquely yours and you should just just let it go explore there's no hard and fast rule there are no mistakes that mistake it could turn out to be something incredibly beautiful if you explored it a little bit more. Um, yeah, be good, be kind, be gentle, and just keep going.
0: I I, I like that, and uh, I, I do like the homework as well. I think being able to take three things that inspire you, that motivate you, that that you love. You know, a lot of people go with the idea of a vision board, and I think those would be great on a vision board. Something right above you uh, where you're working, being able to look at that every day. I think that's a that's a great idea I love that.
1: Yeah. Um, I always have more stuff if I'm you know if you're gonna ask me yeah I have post-it notes everywhere with uh, you know inspirational quotes, things that I'm thinking about I literally have post-it notes artwork everywhere um, I have a picture of Paul Rego's studio up there which I'm completely fascinated by you know I'd love my studio to look like that one day. Um, yeah, whatever excites you there's also something that I have up on the wall over there. That says art is your human right. So I have that up on the wall, just up there, which I found at the Tate Modern. So all these things are reaffirming and saying, you know, I'm allowed to do this thing. I can do whatever the hell I want. I've looked at so many artists, you know, all from all over the world, and know that, you know, what there is no right and wrong so long as you're using your voice and you're speaking your truth through your work that's always going to stand out it's going to stand out on Instagram it's going to stand out on you know when you're speaking in rooms on on Clubhouse you know when you're talking to your peers your peer group will recognize who you are and um, you know hopefully they'll uplift you and you know ignite you like my friend did uh, by saying you know Shima think about acceptance acceptance accepting that you're an artist Um, yeah don't be afraid to ask those questions reach out to people who are artists um, and if they if they don't help you then reach out to someone else i say to my children every day go make a new friend every day 7 billion people on the planet there are plenty of new mm-hmm. friends to make each day <laughs> yeah
0: the person beside you may be the most important person in your life 10 years from yeah. now so make the friend make now friends. yep absolutely so what do you have coming up in the next year or so is there um, we talk about goals and things for 2022 23 what do you have coming up that you're excited about yeah
1: um yeah as as we were doing our room this morning on goal setting um you know I do have if you can see these big canvases here I need to start attacking them and priming them um so that I can complete the works for an award that I won last year and this would be a workshop um about sort of you know supporting artists of color and asking them to embrace their you know their unique colors Um, and it will be a workshop where I will invite an audience to participate and we will create a new piece of work together so that's the hope that's the dream so I have that lined up fingers crossed that will be done in the next uh, next few months and I'll be working with the Arts Centre as well they'll be helping me to host uh, this workshop what else do I have lined up? I am with several collectives here in Seattle, so there are opportunities for me to show. I'm now fortunate enough that, you know, I'm starting to get little galleries reaching out to me um, and via these platforms and inviting me to show my work. So, you know, there's, there's some beautiful things happening, you know, reaching... So I don't have to, you know, reach that high, but these little gentle steps in my journey, you know, they're perfect for me. I've, you know, there, there are lots of things out here that are sort of floating around and you know whatever's meant to be for me will be for me and then I have um other calls to apply for and you know just a keep pushing forward um with the work that I'm doing and I always make sure that you know with all of these other things that happen in the world with teaching with doing these workshops that the most important thing for me is the work so that's where I really sort of feet back on the ground and focus on the work what is the intention uh, where do I want to go next uh, with it and I know uh, so long as I have the work um and uh, you know the story behind the work it it will it will speak for itself you know there'll be space for me out there
0: that's awesome so shima where can people find you online
1: that's uh you can find me on instagram as shima star um underscore but if you google shima star you'll find me i've Hijacked a few pages, so I usually come up top uh, on Shima Star www.shimastar.com. You'll find some of my work. You'll find some media um, footage of me on there as well. I'm on Twitter. I'm playing around with TikTok a little bit. You know where you'll really find me pretty much every day. Clubhouse in the Art Club. Awesome. Come connect with me.
0: <laughs> yes, uh, Shima's very welcoming And just, uh, I mean, if you have to Just say that you heard her on the podcast But um, I wanted to ask you about your name as well uh, Because Shima Star is a name that you've adopted and, and and maybe that's the wrong word But maybe you can speak to that a little bit Because I think that is kind of reflective of who you are as well
1: Yeah, um, and I always, uh, yeah For me, you know, Shima Star isn't The star um, I've adopted as my surname My artist's name and it's not ego driven. I make sure that people know that about me You I'm not out here with a huge ego needing everyone to treat me like a star. Um, the star really is a huge symbol. I've always drawn it and uh, would play around with it in some of my earlier works Um When I returned back to my practice, I realized, you know, that I was the one, even though I have, you know, the fortunate support of my husband, who's always encouraged me, um, it wasn't him that was doing the work. And I have his, you know, his name as my surname. It was me who was doing the work. And having gone through everything that I have gone through to get to this point i really needed to own it so the star um is a symbol to symbolize the rejection of patriarchy but it's also a form of self-empowerment um so yeah i just uh, i i had to it's almost like sasha fierce with uh, with beyonce you know i needed to give myself um my own name and uh, for me and my work to be me and my work that's the and that's why we have Shima stuff.
0: I love that. I've heard that before and you talking about it in the rooms and I think it's wonderful. I think it's, uh, and that's very on brand with with who you are as a person <laughs> making that decision. So I think that's beautiful.
1: Yeah, the rebellious nature. It's not going anywhere fast or soon. So we're going to keep at this until the day it kicks the bucket. There we go.
0: Shima, I wanted to thank you so much for coming on the podcast. We talked about this uh, a, a while ago, and I'm glad that you stuck with me as uh, I found an opportunity to uh, to bring you on, and I really wanted to have you on because uh, Clubhouse has been such an important part of my creative life, and you having such a strong and positive and... Um, Welcoming presence on Clubhouse, you've been a huge part of that. So it was really special to be able to have you on the on the podcast and be able to talk through your journey and understand where you came from. And uh, I think people are going to be pretty excited about listening to this and and hearing more about what you're doing, and then being able to leave this with the homework. And then maybe find you on Instagram or Clubhouse. I think that would be wonderful. So thank you so much for doing this.
1: Thank you so much, Mike, for inviting me. And yeah, I'm a big believer if something's going to happen, it will happen. If it doesn't, that's okay. It's not meant for me. I just keep going. (laughs) So I'm really grateful for, you know, this opportunity to to be on your podcast and celebrate you as well, Mike. You know, that's what I'm here for.
0: (laughs) Well, thank you so much, Shima. Uh, I want you to uh, take care of yourself, have a very prosperous 2022, and wish you all the best, and I'll see you in Clubhouse.
1: (laughs) Yes, uh, yeah, until the next time, Mike. Thank you so much for today.
0: Thanks, Shima. Have a good one. Show notes, including links to everything Shima and I spoke about, can be found at drawinginspiration.fm slash 70. If you enjoy the show, please subscribe, share, and review wherever you listen to podcasts, which now includes Spotify, which allows you to review and rate podcasts. This will help surface the podcast for others to enjoy. Thank you so much for joining us this week. Be kind to yourself and each other, and keep drawing. The music for this podcast is Acid Jazz, provided by Kevin McLeod.